Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Can I just ask? Shut up, Evan. I'm curious. Could you shut up, Evan? One thing I was thinking about. Shut up, Evan. So there are some rumors out there. Evan, shut up. Is it okay if I just ask? Shut up, Evan. Okay, but can I just? Shut up, Evan. I didn't even say anything. Hi, good people. It's Evan Ross Katz, and you are listening to Shut Up, Evan, a podcast about gay shit and internet culture. And I have only one thing that has occupied, even you could say consumed my mind over the last few days. By the way, everything that I'm showing you is on myhandinyours.com. The myhandinyours tumblers. It keeps things hot and cold and things hot and cold. Amazing. We have the My Hand in Yours license plate holder. Wow. We have a wind chime. Oh, wind chime. Of my hand in yours. Hey, Jamie, let me just say, that is the chicest wind chime I have ever. Thank you, darling. Jamie has found herself a new best friend in Dory. She's really going over the top with her love for these items. Then this dog leash. Stop it right now. And we put a my paw in yours dog tag on. And he manufactured this. Honestly. And designed it. A lavender um, candle. It's very chic. These are the hats. So chic. Little snugglies. Really very chic. At this point, Jamie Lee Curtis could show Dorit a dirty old tissue and she would say, it's so chic. Oh my God. Many of you have probably seen the clip right now, but I think we just need to start by laying down the groundwork of the clip itself. So in this clip, we have... Dorit Kemsley of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills in a scene with Jamie Lee Curtis, <laughs> uh, the Academy Award winning? That is a good question. I was going to say Jamie Lee Curtis of Halloween fame, but I feel like, okay, Jamie Lee Curtis does not have an Academy Award. That's troubling. She has two Golden Globe Awards. Well, Jamie Lee Curtis of True Lies fame and Jamie Lee Curtis uh, of Anything But Love fame. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think those are the credits with which our listenership is going to connect with JLC. I'm going to go with My Girl as formative JLC alongside um, Freaky Friday. I've never even heard of anything but love, to be honest, but I think that's more of a demerit to me than to the show. But for those also in my category, it's an ABC sitcom that ran from 89 to 92. But 
to those of you listening saying Jamie Lee Curtis of anything but love fame, work. I see you. Anyway, the scene is between Dorit Kemsley and Jamie Lee Curtis. It was on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And, you know, I think you all know me well enough to know I sort of get these obsessions from time to time with a clip. I think the one that sort of really captured me in in the biggest way was the Dakota Johnson Ellen clip from 2019. How was the party? I wasn't invited. Actually, no, that's not the truth, Ellen. You were invited. The Meryl Streep scream is another one from Big Little Lies. I was thinking, what is the last Real Housewives clip that captured me in a similar way? And it's a scene between Whitney and Mary Cosby from the last season of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. One of the members in our church, like one of their daughter, like had a crash. When? Today, like last night. And she was ejected from the sunroof and fell down into a neighborhood. 30 feet drop off the freeway. Is she still alive? No. I'm excited to be here. Wear your seatbelt. And while I love that scene very much, it's more just like a huh scene, whereas this to reach Jamie Lee Curtis, there's so much to unpack. So just to get into it kind of briefly. So Jamie Lee Curtis has this charity called My Hand in Yours, which it's like saying it now, it's like, I can't believe I have to explain My Hand in Yours only because it's been such a big part of my life for the past week that I feel like an unofficial ambassador of My Hand in Yours. Now, what is my hand in yours? Despite my unofficial ambassadorship, I can't really say I know. I'm Googling it in real time with you. My hand in yours, can you guess the imagery that accompanies the about section of the website? I bet you can. It's two people with their hands in each other's hands. You know, you get it? My hand in yours, you know? It's an LLC that seeks to bring people together to express our shared values and become a powerful source of change. Connecting the dots between creativity and compassion, your purchases today continue far beyond commerce. They reach into the emotional DNA of the recipient and the sender and strengthen the bond that we as human beings share. I can't say I'm coming away from that about section with a clarity around what this organization is. I also can't say I'm too concerned with that. So the main component to my hand in yours is the shop section. Jamie Lee Curtis, her connection to the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is vis-a-vis Kyle Richards. The two starred in John Carpenter's film Halloween together decades ago, and both have reprised their roles in the current, are we calling it reboot of Halloween? I'm not so sure. There's a there's a, a new trilogy of which the final installment, Halloween Ends, is coming. Both of them star in the series. So there's that connection. But I also think Jamie Lee Curtis is a savvy business person and recognized the platform that is Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and the opportunity it presented to bring my hand in yours to the masses. So what do we have here? I will say the my hand in yours merch section is very well priced. 
your uh, Together Blend coffee subscription, I'm thinking it could go 50, 60, no, $19. Amazing. The dog leash is 40. Wow. I think that's not bad. It's almost like if Jamie Lee Curtis was a part of the merch in some way, like if she had designed it or something, I think the value would go up infinitely. JLC, if you're listening, I think you release a line of My Hand and Yours merch that's designed by you. Anyway, the Tumblr, really very chic, made famous by Dorit, has $25. I think that's pretty reasonable. The travel mug is $35. Listen, my feeling is no one needs any more mugs. I don't know anyone that is that is necessarily thinking of all the things I need, all the accoutrements, I need another mug. I would say, if anything, mugs are something we, as a society, should rid ourselves of. So I think it's it's a less uh, less mugs, not a more mug society that I want to be a part of. The throw pillow is 32. It's very chic. Mm, I don't love the throw pillow, so I don't know about that. But uh, the hand towel is 25. The interesting thing about the hand towel is it has a hand on it, but there's no element of the hand that is in another hand. It's strictly, it's strictly a, a hand. So they're kind of losing half the elements of the, you know, my hand and yours component. But I think the most important thing on the website is the wind chime. That is the chicest. I'm looking for a description. Hmm. Okay, we have a message from Jamie Lee. I have always been comforted by the beautiful sound of wind chimes. Incredible. The unexpected and varying sounds encouraged by the natural conductor, wind, is a perfect complement to our mission of comfort and connection and a reminder that you are not alone a new branded offering, a lovely gift for all ages. I should mention, You Are Not Alone is one of the key components of My Hand and Yours and is present on a lot of the merch, and it shares an ethos with this wind chime. I do want to argue the varying sounds of the wind chime. I kind of feel like one of the distinguishing characteristics of a wind chime is that it's not varying sound. It's kind of a uniform sound, that of a wind chime. Nonetheless, I really do like the My Hand in Yours wind chime. It's available for $28 on myhandinyours.com. Listen, if Dorit can push these products, I can too. I did purchase one. I will follow up with everyone when it arrives. The shipping was half the price of the item itself, but that is not My Hand in Yours' fault. It's the system. I blame the system. I'd never blame Jamie Lee. Needless to say, I really loved this clip. I think it's one of the rare great things about Real Housewives, which is showcasing the women at their kooky finest without any ingredient of drama. I think a lot of people, I've said this before, associate housewives with table flipping or wine throwing or just these big arguments over very small things. And certainly that's a component of housewives, but there also are characters like Dorit who are often my favorite characters that are at their most interesting when they're doing the most mundane things. And I have to say, a lot of people have circled into the fact that, you know, Dorit calls it the chicest wind chime I have ever. Thank you, darling. People are laughing at the Christopher Guest-like delivery of Dorit's glee in letting Jamie Lee know that that tumbler can be used for hot and cold beverages. It keeps things hot and cold and hot and cold. Amazing. But I think one of the other great moments that's being lost 
in the exchange is when Jamie Lee Curtis presents the dog leash, uh, which Dorit says, stop it right now. Then Jamie Lee adds that we put on a my, my paw in yours dog tag on. And he manufactured I mean, this honestly. and designed it. At which point Dorit leans back and starts clapping. By the way, does Dorit own a dog? Not sure. She's so struck by the leash and then the addition of the tag on the leash and she can't help herself. So I think what's so great about this scene you know, I, I read one, sorry, I saw or something. Someone says, comedies in threes, right? This is like comedy in eights. Like there are so many beats upon beats upon beats that happen in this scene. And what's lovely is Dorit's not performing in any way whatsoever. Well, actually rather, she is performing for an audience of one that is Jamie Lee Curtis, but the performance that we are all receiving, that which is showcased on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, that's not a component of what Dorit is doing. But I think why it all comes together so nicely is because then you get those added beats by Kyla Richards in the confessional. Also, there are cutaway shots that you cannot see because this is a podcast of new Beverly Hills friend of Cherie and Beverly Hills housewife Sutton, both of whom whom are just cracking up at Dorit because they are normal human beings that are in the presence of an alien. And so, you know, they're responding as such. Um, I like aliens. I like aliens, particularly on Real Housewives. I think this is just great. I love this scene. It's my new obsession. I plan to return to it quite a bit. I'm imagining we'll touch down on it once I have the wind chime in my possession to sort of give a more uh, thorough review. So that is the Dorit of it all. It's very chic. I did want to mention briefly, I am hugely excited for Sarah Michelle Gellar. She was recently cast on a new Paramount Plus series, Wolfpack. If I am being 100% honest and trusting in the fact that Sarah Michelle Gellar does not listen to this podcast, um, it's not my dream dream scenario for her. I would love to see her on a Succession season four or a Severance season two or, you know, just a part of a an entity that exists and is already successful. Hacks season three. That's a great idea. Um, I'm not so much for this idea of her leading a show. She led both Ringer and The Crazy Ones in the years after Buffy, neither of which caught on. And I just think there's a lot of pressure that exists when you are the biggest star in a galaxy. And I think that I would love to see a scenario in which Sarah Michelle Gellar was part of a menagerie, a coterie? Yeah, a coterie. And a menagerie, both work. That, to me, is sort of the ideal scenario. I also just, like, I don't know. I've never seen Teen Wolf, but nothing about this universe compels me so. But I will be watching. I will be supporting. And I think this is a signal to those that thought Sarah Michelle Gellar's acting career was in the rear view, that it is very much in the... um, What's it called? Not the dashboard, the the main window that you look through in the car. The the windshield? Yeah, right? She's, her acting career is in the windshield. I don't know. I don't like this metaphor. I think it went on too far. Too long, too far. Anywho, that is the news for now. Uh, Dorit Kemsley, Jamie Lee Curtis, Sarah Michelle Gellar. What other topics do we need to touch on? Oh, right. We have one more, and that is this fabulous interview with my friend, the great Darcy Carden. <laughs> She is an actress and comedian best known for her starring role as Janet in the NBC sitcom The Good Place, for which she was nominated for a Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series. 
She began her career performing improv at the Upright Citizens Brigade before going on to make appearances in several television series, including Inside Amy Schumer, Broad City, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and Veep. She appeared on Netflix's Bonding and since 2018 has had a recurring role as Natalie Greer in the HBO series Barry, starring Bill Hader. Her film credits include Other People, Let It Snow, Bombshell, and the upcoming Shotgun Wedding starring Jennifer Affleck, aka Jenny from the Block. Next up, she is starring in the Amazon original series A League of Their Own, based off the 1992 Penny Marshall film. She'll appear alongside her former Broad City co-star, Abby Jacobson, who co-created the series alongside Will Graham. That show premieres on August 12th. Ask anyone about her, and they'll tell you a story of some amazing things she did for them or some deep belly laugh she gave them. She balances humor and heart and grit and warmth and all the things you want in a legend. She is the great Darcy Carden. Shut up, Evan! Hi. Hi. It's so good. I wish we were in the same room, but this is really nice. It's great to see your, your beautiful face. Thank you. It's nice to see yours as well. And I'm very excited to have you on. Let's start with your Wikipedia personal life section. Right now, we've got three sentences, okay? We have Cardin met producer Jason Grant Cardin on a trip to Disneyland with mutual friends. They married on July 31st, 2010. In 2013, the couple moved from New York City to Los Angeles. That's all we've got. Three sentences, and our last sentence is almost a decade old. So I have you here now. Can we add a fourth sentence to your personal life section of your Wikipedia? What is Wikipedia? How does that even happen? Just somebody put that there? I think so. I, I mean, if you were a lesser celebrity, I know people that manage and operate their own. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, I, I don't really know the inner workings of Wikipedia. All those things are true, by the way. Good job. Whomst ever did it. Mm-hmm. Personal life, personal life, not career. <laughs> um. Because <laughs> you move to LA and then what happens is your life becomes your career, which it doesn't is it wasn't the case when I lived in New York for 10 years. Maybe because the good place came when I moved to LA, maybe I had like a dollar more to spend on like dinners with friends or like vacations with friends. So I feel like husband Jason, who Wikipedia graciously mentioned, and I would would, you know, sort of enjoy friends more. So you could see the fourth sentence would be like, Darcy fell in love with her friends um, in, <laughs> she really rediscovered her love for friends. But this is not like Monica Chandler, Rachel Ross, Joey, Phoebe friends. Now that's a great point because it almost could be both. <laughs> right, because I was gonna say you do love friends. I absolutely love friends. I have to say, I think friends is underrated in that the memory of it is like 20 scenes that get overplayed. Like for instance, like pivot, or Ross's leather pants. But there are so many like smaller moments from the show that don't get revisited at nauseum that are some of the best moments from the show. So when I say it's underrated, obviously it's overrated as like a gargantuan, you know, mega success that it is. But I think it is a better show. And I think that the six of them are like, uh, the level of their comedic prowess is not often given the right centering. I totally agree. I've said this sentence before about Jennifer Aniston, like that she's underrated. And it's like, well, clearly she's the most rated. (laughs) She's like, you know, she's one of the most beloved celebrities of all time. But I don't think, I think because she's so beautiful and because she's so famous, you forget that she's truly a comedic genius. She is so funny on that show. 
she's a precursor to so many characters that came after her, namely like a Carrie Bradshaw. I wish there was sort of like an end just like that with Rachel. Oh, yeah. Um, and maybe it could include Monica and Phoebe. I'm not quite there yet. It's sort of in the ideation process, but I would be curious about like what Rachel's journey on the show would be like. I know she ended up with Ross, but in my version, Ross is out of the equation and he's sort of like a he who must not be named. I just feel like there's a world in which she like kind of became in the mesh of Ashton editorial. Wait, I love this. You know, it's funny. I love this because when people said, would you want to reboot? When people said, every day someone asks me, no, no, no. But when that conversation comes up, I'm always like, no, it's done. I don't want to see them again. You don't want to see them again. You think you do, but you don't. But a, a, gen, a, a Rachel with like a different vibe, not a, not a sitcom. We want to see Rachel. Yeah, it's like the idea of like extracting something you liked from a larger entity and like putting it somewhere entirely new. Or the other idea for the spinoff is it's like Rachel moves to a small town and it's like, you know, life for like big city grown small town. Needless to say, I think that we are aligned. Jennifer Aniston, great comedic actress. Yeah, great, great, great. Now, you were in my hometown of Pittsburgh for some time. Pittsburgh has been a big topic on this podcast because I had Zachary Quinto on last season who grew up in Pittsburgh right by me. Groff was, was shooting in Pittsburgh. And I think that you said something on a talk show that you appeared on recently where you were like, where people will always say, actors especially will go and shoot in Pittsburgh and they'll say something to the effect of Pittsburgh. It's actually great. That's it. Because there's this perception from many that I think has been there for decades now that you wouldn't think it would be good, but it's actually good. What did you enjoy most about your time there? In this moment today and yesterday, I've been feeling very homesick for Pittsburgh because we moved in basically a year ago this week. When we drove into Pittsburgh, when it like became Pittsburgh, I was like, what the hell? Like no one told me that it was like this beautiful, green, watery, bridgy. I mean, again, shame on me. I should just know this. I think I thought it was going to be like a city made out of steel and cement and nothing else. The <laughs> yeah. city of Pittsburgh really welcomed us. This is the cast of League of Their Own. We shot the pilot of League of Their Own in LA. And we're supposed, if we got picked up, we were going to shoot, you know, obviously shoot the rest in LA. And it, and at kind of the last minute, it was switched to Pittsburgh in a way that sort of upended everybody's life. Like not one person was like, oh yes, we're going out of town for five months. It was like, holy shit, okay, time to rearrange life. So I wasn't excited. I was extra not excited about it. And then I got there and I was so pleasantly surprised. It's such a unique aspect of the profession of acting, especially when you're doing television work to pack your bags and relocate to a place for five months. I mean, five months is long enough to really start to like know a place and know your way around. It's just like, what a joy to see see a new city in like a way where you're not just passing through. So we're talking about Pittsburgh and a league of their own, which brings us to our first guest call in today. One of your co-stars on the upcoming a league of their own series. Hi, Darcy. This is Kate Berlant. I wanted to know, do you pray? But do you, do you have a relationship to God at all? <laughs> Can I just say, we workshopped several questions and then Kate was like, no, that one's too weird. And I was like, no, that's, that's the one. <laughs> Kate Berlant. Oh, Kate Berlant. Do I have a, no, I, um, I grew up Episcopalian and there was a lot I liked about that. It was a more open religion. We, you know, we like, we had women and gay priests, you know, it was like, I love, I love a community. I love, a 
like a ensemble. <laughs> is that what a church is? And that's like what I loved about it. I remember, you know, going back to church, maybe like my first, the first time I came home from college or whatever, and sort of being like, huh, wait, what are we talking about? <laughs> like you sort of see this thing with new eyes. And I was like, wait, uh, are we talking about magic here? Like, what is this? And so for me, I would, I, I, you know, I have so much love for truly like the people that I, that I came up with at church, but I, um, it was a bunch of good people. It's not like when I look back, I'm like, oh God, those were all bad people. They were lovely people. Um, but I just, I just, I, um, I wish I did. I, tr I truly do. I wish I had like whatever that, um, faith is. I wish I did because sometimes it can feel empty and dark, but maybe religion or that feeling you get from religion and other things <laughs> like art <laughs> for real. Before we get into more, let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsor. The hot days of summer mean only one thing. I need a can of something and not just any something, a can of can. Can is the queer founded cannabis infused social tonic that is the summer beverage I cannot be without. Each can is made from five ingredients, fresh juice, herbs, agave nectar, cannabis extract, and water. The fresh juice is no BS either, with sourced ingredients like Sicilian lemons, Fijian ginger, and Massachusetts cranberries. Yum. My favorite flavor, you ask? Well, I'm currently a pineapple jalapeno kind of gal, but a cloudy apple rhubarb light always manages to hit the spot too. And look, it may not be the season of giving, but that doesn't mean you can't receive. Shut Up Evan listeners can receive 50% off their first order of can. Yes, that's 50% off. Go to drinkcan.com and use promo code ERK50. That's drinkcan.com, D-R-I-N-K-C-A-N-N.com and use promo code ERK50 for 50% off. Let summer go to your head by sipping on some cans. And we're back. You were a tour guide in New York City on a bus for some time. And I bring that up because I feel like more than likely you had to deal with a lot of different types of personalities in that setting. I'm wondering what that job taught you about humanity. So yes, I, I was a tour guide on a freaking bus in New York City. Instead of people looking straight ahead, they're looking out at the road, almost like a movie, like movie theater seating and the side of the bus is made of glass. And we were playing characters um, and there was a little bit of a show that happened. And, you know, we would talk to, we would talk to actors that were on the street that were pretending to be just regular civilians, but happened to be mic'd, <laughs> happened to have a damn microphone. And, uh, you know, we would kind of be like, oh, where's this guy going? And then he'd be like, I'm going to an audition. And, and that it was, it was, um, it was wild. It was wild. It was so wild. It was so soul crushing. It was like less dealing with other people. It was maybe dealing with myself. Like it was, it was one of those jobs where, where I was sort of like, what am I doing with my life, with my career? Is this it? What am I doing? It flies through my head truly all the time still, but would, especially like in, in, in the early part of my career, it was like a constant, just kind of like, hmm, what's up? <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> what's up, God? And um, I, yeah, that one was a tough one because it was, you know, you, I would walk, um, I'd get off the subway and walk down 42nd Street to where like the bus depot was. And I'd walk by all like these Broadway shows and actors going into their shows. 
and I would ride the bus and I'd put on my little costume and I'd play my little character. And it was, um, and I also like, I remember there was one point where I was, I got, I had like a, there was like a New York times article about, um, maybe it wasn't the New York times. I think it was about the ride. And it was me in my costume, like in front of the bus. And, and, you know, like my parents were proud. It was one of those moments where it was like, oh my God, you're a picture of you is in the New York times. And I was like, but not this way, you know? Not this way. <laughs> this isn't the way for me, which I got to say, like, I've, that's another thing, like as a waitress, I, you know, I, I worked on it weirdly. I worked on a, um, at a restaurant on in right off of Times Square. Like I think it was on 42nd or 43rd and it was a big spot for people to go after shows. So actors would walk in and, you know, plenty of like celebs and it would be people that I love and respect. And it was that same thing where I was like, this isn't the way. This isn't the way. I'm not going to tell you how much I love you. I'm not going to try to connect with you. This is not our way. And I just have to sort of take a step back and hand you your clam chowder or whatever. So we're talking about the early part of your career. One of your earliest gigs on television was on the beloved television series, Broad City. Let's bring in our next caller. Hello, Darcy. This is Alana. I am so excited Evan asked me to ask you a question because honoring you is a great honor. And um, I do have a question for you. You are one of, um, one of the most body autonomous people that I know, women especially. You are so, or you feel so comfortable in your skin and, and you make others feel that way. I'm wondering when you first felt yourself gifted in this way. Um, I'm wondering if you knew that you were or when you knew, when did you, when did you realize this or, or, or notice this about yourself? Man, I love that woman so much. What a nice thing to say. And also I'm like, I'm like, am I? Basically I was like an overly confident child thanks to my father. And I think that that has followed me or that I've, I've kept that. Part of who I am is this overly confident child that my dad made me truly, <laughs> truly. So, so, and not just my dad, my mom too. I think they, they gave their four children a lot of um, confidence and freedom. And my mom, my mom was never like, you're the prettiest girl in the world type of mom at all. And in fact, like, famously <laughs> to my siblings and I, if anybody did like ever com com uh, 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 what is the word, compliment our looks, she would say they're fine. She would say, you know, if somebody were to say like, oh, Miranda, my sister, Miranda's so beautiful, she'd be like, she's fine. So anyway, I'm, my mom wasn't, you know, it, that, that we didn't get that from her, but even that was sort of like a, a quiet confidence. But my dad was like, you, are special. You can do anything you want in the world. Truly, like you can be the president. You can be a major league baseball player. You can be a rock star. Like you, it, it, you, can, you literally, you, me, in my eyes, me, my sister, my brother, my sister. You can, you can do that. Things started moving for me later in life. You know, I wasn't twenty one when when I started getting on roles on TV. Um, but I was ready. Like I was really fucking ready. And I give myself that. I'm like, I, when, when these opportunities, when they came up, 
I didn't feel unprepared. I felt fucking prepared and ready. And I was like, very excited. I was, I, I didn't feel panicked or nervous. I was like, let's do this. But I mean, trust me when I say I am wildly unconfident about many things, but there is sort of like a, um, maybe like a, like a sort of deep, dark confidence that just lingers. Is that what she meant? I don't know, but I don't really know how else to answer that lovely question. But I think it can be both, you know, like this is reminding me of, did you read Molly Shannon's memoir? Yes. So this reminds me of like her relationship with her father in the sense of like, and I'm not saying it's a, it's a lateral comparison per se, but it's this idea that like, he was not always the best father to her. He was not always lavishing her with compliments. He, he was tough on her. And yet she talks about in the book, the fact that like when he would say the nice thing, it would mean more than any other thing that any other person could say, because he wielded that power over her um, in a remarkable way. So, I mean, I, I, I think it's, uh, it does make sense. And I think that the fact that you take it back to your parents is you're completely answering the question. I, I also, I felt that way reading the book. I felt that connection. And also side note, my dad has read that book twice. He loves it so much. Interesting. Yeah, she's, she's speaking of special women, Alana, Molly Shannon. These are, these are like outrageously special women. We're talking about Alana and then we're talking about Molly. You, you know, you have this entire cast of a league of their own that you're working with and your close friendship with Abby Jacobson. You've been afforded the opportunity as one perspective, or maybe this is very conscious on your part, um, but you've gotten to work with incredibly powerful, thoughtful, driven women throughout your entire career. And I have to imagine that has an impact on your own equilibrium of how you move through this industry, which I'm not in Hollywood, but I've read a thing or two about the misogyny that goes on there. And I'm wondering how, what it's been like for you in getting to see all of these blueprints, some of whom like Amali or Jennifer, you knew before, but then you got to know them in a personal way. And then others like Alana, Kate Berlant, et cetera, uh, Abby, who you've kind of come up with. When you were asking me that, I got like full body tingles, like a little bit, like I felt like I was gonna cry. I um, feel so lucky, so insane, so lucky that I kind of can't even, like sometimes I feel like I'm like floating outside of my body when it comes to these women, the women that I've worked with, the women that are in my life that, you know, like maybe I, maybe not even publicly or whatever, like, you know, pe women that I have met through, uh, I, there's like a, there is a, there's a thing about these women and I'm gonna expand a little bit. The Maya Rudolphs, the Lisa Kudros, the Megan Mullallys, that the Lori Metcalfs, like I, am obsessed with these women. I worship the ground they walk on. I fucking love them. There's nothing I love more. I don't give a fuck about men. <laughs> I don't care about them. I don't care about their opinion. I don't fucking care. So these women, you know, even, even my heart is like racing right now. I love them so much. These women like inviting me into their club, even just an inch is it, it's it for me. There's a weird thing when you, and I know you've experienced this too, like when you worship somebody and then they prove themselves to be worshipable, <laughs> like you get to meet them and they're wonderful and lovely and maybe even better than you thought they could be. And you get to know them in a different way and you become real true 
deep friends, it's a weird thing. And you kind of have to let the worship go and just be humans. It's one of the things that I feel luckiest about in that this career has given me is like some friendships with these women. See, on the one hand, it's kind of, uh, to borrow from a league of their own, it's a little inside baseball and it's kind of not in a sense because I think a lot of people out there might not be able to relate to this specific experience, but there is something about when your proximity to something that was once far away shifts, right? And in this case, it's actors that you regarded growing up, but I think all people can relate to that shift in proximity and how we sort of like recalibrate our life when something that was once far becomes near. And I think one of the incredible things about humanizing people that you once regarded in your instance, and this is my question for you is, are you able to realize, you said that they invited you in, but there's a reason you were outside the door when they opened it, right? Like you got to that place, right? So are you at a place where you're able to recognize that you are amongst these women or is thinking about that unproductive for you? I don't know that it's unproductive, but I don't know if I can actually grasp it because what I wanna to say to you right now, of course, is like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not there, I'm not there, I'm not there. Like when someone gives you praise or a compliment or a thumbs up, sometimes you just go like, yeah, but not really. Fandom in general and like the idea of it is like, it's complicated. It's hard to step out of yourself in some senses and try and understand the thing that people see when they see you. I was just in Fire Island. Uh, I'm doing a profile of our mutual friend, Bowen Yang. And I've known Bowen for almost a decade now. And we're sitting on the beach and I'm watching person after person come up and be like, oh my God, are you the guy from the Fire Island movie? I love you so much. And watching Bowen, it's almost like a muscle he's now developed, which is that like how to react to those moments um, in a really like diplomatic way, but that's heartfelt because to those people, it's very meaningful that moment, even though for him, it's actually an interruption to his day, but you can't treat it like an interruption, all of those things. So I think that um, as much as it's sort of like an inside baseball conversation, fame and operating as a famous person, blah, blah, blah. I think it's really interesting. And I think it gives me, um, Empathy is not necessarily the word because I still think it's a, it's a privilege to have it. But I also think that this is something I've been thinking a lot about, which is like all of the obvious ways that fame makes life better, right? But also the ways in which fame makes, I don't know if the word is worse, but that if like, if fame makes things more challenging, like really simple things more challenging, especially like when it comes to like creating real human connection. I've also noticed some of the older actors in my life that I that I have been so lucky to work with like um the Ted Dansons and the Henry Winklers there's like a there's like a sort of beautiful dance of like self-protection yet not um blowing someone off and and I tr and anyway I just I've been inspired by these old men <laughs> and it's the art form too of like getting in the dance long enough to like give them a spin and then get out Okay, two of your earliest credits are as Karen Gravano in the short film, short films, Mob Wives and Mob Wives 2, The Christening. Put your fucking fat ass tit on Why don't here. you put that fucking saggy cow water in don't your fucking voice anymore? You need or to get your finger. Why don't you see your out of? Excuse me. Get the out of my face. Get the out of my face. Get the out of my face. Get it out of my face. Get it out of my face. 
Get it out of my face. Get it out of my face. Which I have to believe are based on the VH1 reality series that featured the real life Karen Gravano, daughter of the Gambino crime family soldier, Sammy the Bull Gravano. Um, what can you tell me about these films? <laughs> great, great. Thank you for fucking bringing these up. I love it. These are written and directed by the great Chris Kelly. Yet again, we'll bring him up. This was a summer that Chris had just moved. Chris was one of my oldest, best UCB friends. We lived down the street from each other. We, we you know, spent every waking minute together, him, my husband, and some other friends. And so he moved to LA from New York. And that same summer, I moved with, a f well, I'll just say it, with, <laughs> with Bill Hader and Maggie Carey and their family to babysit, because I was a babysitter and an actor back then. Um, I moved to LA while they shot a movie. And so I was, every day I was babysitting and they were going to work on a movie and my husband was working on the movie and Chris was working at Funny or Die and everyone was living their damn dreams. And I mean, I was, I was, I was plenty happy. I love the baby I was babysitting, but I just was sort of like watching everybody do their thing and I was babysitting. And then Chris, lovely Chris, he like, he, you know, he asked me to be in this Funny or Die thing he worked the schedule out so that it like coincided with my day off. And he, it just, there was something really generous and lovely and he didn't need to do this. Like it, it was at a time, especially in Funny or Die where they could really get like big celebs. And the other people in it were, was um, Sophia Bush and Drea DeMatteo from Sopranos. And he like sort of reached his hand out and cast me and our other one of our other best friends lucia and yellow of hacks fame and broad city to um act in this and it really was i know it seems like a little tiny thing a little blip but it was a big moment for me and and um it was really generous and lovely of him and it was so fun and and i don't know it's those little those little things like actually do matter and and feel like stepping stones big stepping stones and sort of make you feel like a professional in a fucking industry that constantly makes you not feel that way. Let's take a quick break before we continue and hear from today's sponsor. Can we talk about Sunday Riley? Not only is it the name of not one, but two of my favorite Buffy the Vampire Slayer characters, it also just so happens to be one of my favorite skincare brands. Sunday Riley uses advanced, clinically proven ingredients blended with balancing botanicals for non-irritating, fast-acting formulas. Just because the end of times might be near doesn't mean you can't have great skin. Some of my current obsessions include their global best-selling Good Genes All-in-One Lactic Acid Treatment, CEO 15% Vitamin C Brightening Serum, and their Autocorrect Brightening and Depuffing Eye Contour Cream. As a person with notoriously puffy eyes, the last one is a really saving grace. If you want to visibly improve the look and feel of your skin, look no further than Sunday Riley. Sunday Riley is available at Sephora and Sephora.com. And we're back. Who is your Sarah Michelle Gellar? Who is that person that you grew up with idolizing that perhaps you have some proximity to today? We've spoken about her already. It really is Jennifer Aniston. It really was like, you know, pictures on the wall obsessed type of love. There, I can think of like a, um, an SNL after party this is years ago where she was there and it was the first time I was ever in a room with her and I left. And why? I don't know why. Because she's funny and beautiful. Like, why do we do this? Why do we obsess? Why do we get like this? It's something like, I think there's something about childhood for sure. Or like, you know, formative years that, and, and I'm sure this is part of the Sarah Michelle Gellar thing. It's like, 
when you're becoming, when your little brain puzzle pieces are fitting together and, and they're a part of that, it's like they're in you, you know? So she just was in me. It was, it just was too, too much, too big for me. I was like, we, we can't be here. We can't be here. If she's here, I, I gotta go. And then a few years ago, a few years ago, when was this pre-pandemic? Um, I was, should I tell you? Yeah. Like how I met her? Okay. Please. Oh my gosh. <laughs> should I? Is this the moment? <laughs> um, we, uh, okay. So I was, Jason and I were backstage at People's Choice Awards where I had just presented and, um, the lovely, wonderful Adam Sandler, who I'm also a gigantic fan of, and his lovely wife, I believe they watched The Good Place with their daughters. So they very graciously and in a very cool move that I always appreciate came up to us. So we didn't have to sort of, you know, do that. Then Jennifer comes into the green room. I, I truly could feel her presence like a mile away. I knew she had just been on stage and I was like, it was a little bit of that feeling. I even said to Jason, like, should we go? Like, what are we, I can't, this is too much. And she walked in and of course, you know, Adam and Jennifer are great friends and she came right over to him and he's such a, such a good dude. He turned to us and introduced us. She went something like, hi, you were just on stage. <laughs> kind of like, hi. <laughs> like, like she had registered my face or whatever, you know, something so simple, but it was like, uh, a big deal. And I really will say that like, I can be fucking cool in these situations. Like I sometimes surprise myself, even sometimes <laughs> with, with, you know, uh, like I can really handle it, but I did, I wasn't cool. I said something too quick about having just worked with Lisa Kudrow in a way that didn't need to bring it up at all. Like she clearly has a big, huge life and doesn't need to always come back to friends. Something along the lines of like, I just worked with Lisa, like very. And and she was kind of like, huh? <laughs> and, and Jason sort of like touched my hand to be like, take a deep breath, like down girl. And I very much appreciated it because I could I could feel my, you know, blood pressure or whatever that feeling is going like. Um, so then we sort of she just she was lovely. She and Adam were lovely. We stood around in a little circle and talked for a few minutes. Of course, I don't mean I said anything. Maybe I, maybe I sort of like blah, 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 something, but it was wonderful and lovely. And then right when it was done, I looked at Jason and I was like, let's go. And he's like, hell yeah. It was like, we, we had it. We had a cool moment. Let's go talk about it in the car. So it sounds like if we're going to do this Rachel spinoff series, whatever we're calling it, I feel like it's transitioning to like a buddy comedy of some sort, co-starring you and Jennifer Anderson. That's where I think we've landed. Yeah. It's something about us both, both being Greek, I think. that Like like um, Rachel, wait, let's see. My big fat, <laughs> um, let's see. Never been done before. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but do you think that that's it for you too with Sarah? Like that it, she sort of, you fell in love with her at this moment where your brain was forming? You said it so perfectly. I'd never thought about it that way before, but absolutely. And so I think part of the work in, in that instance is sort of like, you're, you're, you can't, you know, and it, to use the puzzle analogy, it's like, sure, you can take the puzzle apart, but like, it's sort of, it's a part of you at some point. So I find that like, with her, the more we create memories together of us talking about like, like future things versus like 
I, you know, our relationship used to be me being like, tell me about everything that happened on set of, of Simply Irresistible or like, or what was Ryan Phillippe's like, butt like in person. And now it's sort of like, we don't really, our relationship isn't predicated on the Hollywood thing. We would never talk to bring up Buffy. I mean, we bring up Buffy like on very rare occasions, but it's like our relationship is not predicated on the part of her that's the celebrity. And so they become a real person, but it's a weird, it's a weird, weird thing to witness. And especially in cases like we were talking about Bowen earlier, when like you have a person that you've known for a long time and you're watching them become a famous person in real time. And in Bowen's case, he's still the Bowen that I know and love or like having John Early on last week, the same John Early. But I was saying to John, I do have friends on the other side that stop responding to text messages or will tell me um, I need you to go through my people in order to do lunch or something. And like, we were like the kind of friends that would make fun of that sort of thing. And then like, I witnessed them like become a famous person in a bad way. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's a, it's an, it's very, did some, I feel like I, I feel like I heard somebody say, I wonder if it's the opposite, what I'm about to say, but that like fame makes you more who you are. Which just makes sense though, because it's like actors are not a monolith. And so you get some good ones that, and also I think everyone, I used to have that mindset of like anyone that wants to be an actor, like is seeking attention and needs affirmation and blah, blah, blah. And like, I've come to know that there are like more, there's more complexity to that. Um, but there are those that are seeking but. validation. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. So I'm sure you're following the stills that are being released of Greta Gerwig's Barbie. And I think one thing that a lot of us are wondering right now is what is this Barbie movie about? What is, what is the theme of this movie? Is it camp? Is it an earnest look at the life of Barbie and Ken? We know that like Issa Rae and Shudi Gatwa and these other people have been cast as, and on Wikipedia it says another Barbie and another Ken. Anyway, with all that in mind, I'm just wondering, what do you want to see from the Barbie movie? I feel like there is no more hotly anticipated commodity out there right now. Um, what do you want from it? This is a, this is so funny. Can I admit something that I auditioned for this? Oh. And so, and I don't have much insight because they are keeping it really locked down. And I auditioned for another Barbie, you know what I mean? Like one of, I think one of, I'm assuming it's like her, her friends, your, your, your midges and your skippers. And, you know, I, I don't really know all the Barbie's names, <laughs> but, um, but I, I don't even think, no, I know they didn't give me the whole script. It was just the scene. It was really funny. And I, I loved it. I was like, you know, auditions are terrible. Did you know that? And um, sometimes you want to kill yourself and other times you're like, well, at least this is like a funny scene or a good scene or a, I, like sometimes you can trick yourself into being like, oh, well, at least I get to act for 10 minutes. So let's like have some fun with it. That one was like fun and easy, truly fun and easy. So much so that like you wish you got it, you know? And um, I, I, I don't know this from the script because truly it was a scene, but I feel like it's campy, right? It feels like it's got, I definitely think it's funny. I think that Margot and Ryan are both super funny and not always let, they don't always get to be funny. Um, but I, like, I, I always, why do I know that Ryan is so funny? Like, what, what have we seen him be funny at? You just do, right? He's just funny. Oh, uh, the, the Steve Carell movie. Uh, yeah, he was funny in that. Yeah. But even when like, 
I feel like in interviews and stuff, I know he's pretty buttoned up or, 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 or shielded or whatever, but like when he's funny, you're like, oh, he's really funny. Also that sort of mysterious personality that he has, I think lends itself to a great comedic performance. Agreed, yes, agreed. Whenever he has to be funny in a movie, he nails it to me. Um, and Margot's funny too. Um, she's incredible. She's another one that's like, <laughs> where you say like she's underrated and you're like well she's actually not she's been nominated for oscars but she's like a part of it is boo fucking who but she's like so beautiful that that when she is as good as she is you go like huh she's i mean she's incredible and and i only got to work with her a few days on bombshell but she is like the real deal the real deal she is so good and wonderful and lovely and like just it's you know sometimes you think well, of course they're a famous actor. They're beautiful. Like, but she's, she just, she's like legit. She's, she is an actor, deep, deep actor. Were you watching it just like that? Yes. How do I say this? It was like, no, I got, I, I got to watch myself because I don't want to talk shit. Basically, I didn't even know if I liked it or not, but I would like wake up early in the morning to watch it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I couldn't, I couldn't wait to watch it, but I didn't even know why if i liked it if i didn't like it there were things that i was like what is this but it was like absolutely appointment television for me okay i think this is a new phenomenon that doesn't yet have a name and it's like okay right because we know about hate watching this is not that it's not hate watching but it's how i feel about the barbie movie to bring this all together which is that even if the barbie movie is bad i will like it and i will not uh-huh. just like it i will love it <laughs> and it was similar with and just like that where like you can point out all the flaws and they are absolutely true and it was the best thing i've ever watched on television in my entire life oh so, my god i love that so i don't much. know what the term is quite yet but it's like this evolution because it's not hate watching because it's not hateful but it's like there's a lens with which you have to watch the show and if you don't put that lens on you're kind of watching it wrong so it's like it's like again you don't want to approach it too earnestly because all the flaws will show themselves that's why i don't like a lot of the when i hear people talk about it just like that and like kind of view it with like purely analytical like you know critiques i'm kind of like you're doing it wrong. So anyway, I bring that up because they're going to be shooting season two. And I'm just wondering, is there anything you particularly find yourself wanting out of the second season of this series? I would be really happy for Carrie to have like love, a love. And maybe, you know, like maybe the right answer is that it's more about the friendships. But I mean, I like the the big relationship is so complicated and and I want her to have like a real true deep love that is like equal and fulfilling i'm like has she had that well i think she had it with aiden in season four until she didn't want it that's the hard thing about carrie i'm i'm re-watching the series right now with my boyfriend he's never seen it we're on season three so we're at aiden the first iteration of aiden and then with the second one and like i'm watching it you know knowing what's coming so I think she had love. I think that she struggled to be comfortable in a relationship. Maybe she found Aiden at the wrong moment in her life or something, but the pro- I, I'm like, oh, maybe they could find each other again. But I well, think- Well, there's rumors. <laughs> okay, right. I, I, There was rumors, right? Mm-hmm. That he was, because he, he wasn't even a blip in this season. Not at all. But wasn't there script rumors that- there were script rumors. I mean, obviously he popped up in the second film. The second film's non-canon. So I think the question is, if they do bring him back, are we acknowledging? I think we skip the acknowledgement of 
the second film. Are, yeah, but then the question is like, is where, you know, where is his life taking him? He just happens to be single. He had the kid, so is Carrie a stepmom? It gets a little tricky, but maybe it doesn't have to get tricky. Maybe, it, I mean, that happens all the time. People get divorced, people die, who knows? Oh my God, hello, death. Um, <laughs> but I, I think um, I think the girls, their, their friendship is a little wonky right now. Like definitely some major shit has to happen with Miranda. Like I would love for Miranda to go to LA and sort of maybe immediately break up and live her life, you know, as a, as a gay woman or a bi woman or whatever, you know, like just like live her, like kind of yeah. live her life. So I do have some heartbreaking news. We are picking up season two in LA. It's one week later and she is still uh, with Che and Che will have an expanded role in season two from what we've heard. So watch this space as Rachel Maddow <laughs> would say. Don't you think I look like Rachel Maddow? I do. I do see it a little bit. I do Didn't see I play it. her? Yeah. Put some glasses on me in a short wig. Okay. I could play her. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last few questions. You recently wrapped shooting Shotgun Wedding, which is coming out later this year, I believe, and stars question. <laughs> question mark, and stars J-Lo, Josh Duhamel, hot, 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 Jennifer Coolidge, and Lenny Kravitz, hot, hot, hot. Actually, hot, hot, hot on all the stars I just mentioned. I know, I you know. You all had to quarantine together for the film. And if I understand correctly, uh, that was a really, it seems like you got that with uh, this film and then with A League of Their Own and having these unique experiences. One of the, I hate to say benefits of COVID, that's like the wrong you know what I'm saying? Silver linings? Silver linings, yes. Um, I'm wondering what it was like hanging out with that very unique assemblage of stars. God, it was so magical. It was so insane. It was like the spring of 21. So it really was like the first new friends I had made in a year. It was the first um, sort of, I had done like little jobs, but it was the first big major, you know, acting thing I'd gotten to do. And it was even so simple as like, okay, so yes, we did, we like lived together. And let me just be clear, JLo did not live with us. JLo had a, like a castle or, you know, whatever. And, but, but, um, and Josh also didn't, he like lived up the hill from us, but Lenny, Jennifer, um, I mean, like, if you just look at the cast list, basically like probably the first 10 people, Cheech, um, uh, Callie Hernandez, like this, this Sonia Braga, like this incredible group of people. I think there were eight or nine of us. We lived together in this beach mansion, like a state. Everybody had like their own little apartment. But Evan, we like ate every meal together. We like couldn't get enough of each other. When we moved in, I remember being like, even, you know, like loving these people, but being like, I need some alone time. Like, I'm going to need to eat some meals in my room. I'm going to like, what do you mean there's a shared kitchen? I was just kind of like, what is this? And then we would get home from work and and be like, okay, half hour, meet you back, like meet you at dinner. Like we couldn't wait to get more of each other. I think there was, the, the chemistry was really good just in general. It was like a bunch of people that like really loved each other. There were no bad eggs or whatever. It was like a year of us all being locked away and then basically being like, oh, would you like to live on a beach with some of your favorite people that you've never met before? Like, you know, like Cheech made us tacos one night and we like all smoked weed. And it was just, it's like, it just was a joy. It was so much fun. And, you know, you and I have talked at length about our love for Jennifer Coolidge and 
what a like fantastic human being she is. And I miss her. I miss living with her. <laughs> I feel like in the time since I first met her until now, I'm constantly learning about new ways to look at the world or how to operate. And they're not like her being like, here's a life lesson. It's me observing how she lives her life, how she commands a room. Um, I mean, even like when, when we had her on the podcast, uh, one of her White Lotus co-stars called in and asked her uh, for her, her favorite like white wine recommendation. And ever since then, it's just like one of those things where it's like, of course I wanna know the white wine that Jennifer Coolidge drinks. Is there anything you picked up from your time with her that kind of stays with you? She's not what you think she is. Like she is like, you kind of want her to be like the kooky Coolidge that you know from the movies. She is so smart. She is so with it. She is so ahead of the joke. She can give you a little taste of what you want because she knows, you know, like what she is, but don't you dare think that she's like the, the kooky, like dimwit or whatever that she plays in on in movies or whatever. She is so bright and so sharp and so fucking funny. She is one of the funniest people in, and in a different way than you've seen in movies. She's so funny. Oh my God, she is so funny. I could, I could die laughing about, I, I can think of a million things that she has said that make me laugh so hard. And I love, <laughs> she does something where she like tells a pretty long story. And then right before she tells the punchline that maybe, maybe made the entire story like a lie, uh, like a, a hilarious lie. She kind of gets this little like, eye thing like this little face thing where she kind of like scrunches up her face and then says the punchline and then you realize like oh the entire thing was a joke she's she's such a good storyteller she's okay she's very um she's incredibly thoughtful about the people around her and and yes she's a big gigantic movie star but she's like she notices every little nook and cranny of every room whether it's you know like she, she's, she is, she's so like uh, empathetic and, and things like she took in like a stray cat and would like go to the, like the bodega or whatever to like buy cat food and nobody even knew about it. It wasn't like a showy thing. She, like the way she wa wanted to make sure that we tipped people was very particular. Like we, she just is very aware of people getting what they deserve, you know, like she just is good. She's like deeply good. She really fucking cares. She really fucking cares. And on top of it is the funniest person you've ever met. But I do just want to add, I think it says a lot about who you are, what you pick up on about her. That's why I always like that question or asking someone about someone that we both know mutually. Cause it's like, you're picking up on so many things, which speaks to your perceptiveness. Um, but yeah, that, that, uh, particular nature about her in a world that I find increasingly where people are just sort of operate, um, you know, in mass, people sort of, you know, pick up habits, uh, a TikTok video goes viral or the, or so much of the language you use, even myself, it's like sometimes on my captions, I'm like, I'm just saying like the thing that everyone else is saying. I feel like I think about her and I'm like, don't be like everybody else. Be like, be like a Coolidge. 
Can't get enough of Shut Up Evan? I don't blame you. That's why you have to check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash Shut Up Evan, where you will be able to find advanced access to interviews, bonus episodes, video clips from the interviews, cut for time questions, and so much more. You don't want to miss out. I am fully committing to making the Patreon a much more robust experience for season three. So again, www do people say you know www.patreon.com forward slash shut up evan okay one last call from a mystery guest before i give you my last question hi evan and hi darcy Carden. this is your friend michelle collins so excited to be talking to both of you i adore you so very much uh i'm a comedian I was on The View for eight seconds. Evan is the one person who remembers. Uh, I have a podcast called Midnight Snack. Uh, my question uh, for Darcy is, would you do my podcast? That's a joke, but also do it. But no, that's not the question. The question really is, Darcy Carden, who I adore so very much, I want you to think of someone who doubted you either in your childhood, maybe your teenage years, someone who just did not have your best interests at heart. And I want to know, what would you say to that person today? A terrific question. Truly. And why didn't Kate and Alana introduce themselves like that? I want to know credits before you ask your damn question, okay? Hi, Michelle. Love, Michelle. Ugh, what a, what a bunch of incredible women. What if I'd only rolled out, like, I just decided to get a, a menagerie of men. But also, like, you know, I'm like, I hate men. I don't want to know them. But of course, I've been incredibly lucky with the men I've worked with as well. I'm just saying that. And my husband fucking rocks. Um, okay, so what would I say? I mean, the thing is, he's dead. <laughs> so I guess it would have to be through prayer, Kate Berlant. But... um. <laughs> Um, I think there was, I can think of somebody in my childhood that was like a, an authority figure that he was just kind of a dick, but he just didn't, it like, I'm almost like no shade. Like he didn't see me. He didn't get me. Like, so basically he like, okay, so a simple way to describe it is like, he had a chance to like help me succeed and instead I failed, but I, without question, believe that he help me become who I am today with like, I, I, like I could see my entire world going in a different, uh, my entire life going in a different direction if he hadn't done this. And I feel like that with so many of my failures and like the dark times, like they just make us who we are. I mean, I know that again, this is not anything profound. This has been said before, but like it, it, they, they, whether it's like the journey, the path, the actual like direction of our lives or something about the makeup of who we become or the, the lesson it taught us or whatever. Like I can look at all of my biggest failures and my biggest sort of like traumas. And I, and I'm like, well, not like, well, I'm glad they happened, but like, I think it's all part of it. And I think it's all makes you who you are and stronger. And, you know, so I think I would say like, um, if I could talk to him, I would say like, sorry for your loss. <laughs> and you know, how is it up there or whatever down there? I don't know. Maybe down there. <laughs> yeah. I think so. <laughs> down there, like in the ground, <clears throat> just in the dirt. Yeah. Maybe where he belongs. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Let's end with some manifesting. <laughs> okay. I know uh, you threw the first pitch at the pirates game, which was uh, a huge life goal for you. 
I get it. I too love the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, but I'm wondering if you were to give yourself sort of a next goal, something that you want to accomplish, something not professional at all, not related to your vocation. Um, what's something that you want to manifest into your life? I keep telling myself year after year that I will take an, a, an instrument lesson, a piano lesson, a drum lesson, a guitar lesson, and then I keep telling myself you're too old for that. And then I keep looking back on how many years I've been telling myself that. And I'm kind of stunned by my own, like like the, the, this um, pattern I get into, because I think I told myself that at like 25, <laughs> you know what I mean? So if I had started taking drum lessons at 25, I would have years of drum lessons under my belt. So I like, even just saying this out loud is scary because I'm like, will I do this? But I really um, feel like it's like my, maybe my biggest regret is not playing an instrument. What a funny thing. It's a little bit like the thing we sometimes do about the way we look, which is, you know, I, wh whether it's as simple as I look so bad or I can't wear that because of blah, blah, blah. And then you always look back on pictures and you go like, oh my God, I look so good. Like, let's remember that, you know, like, that we that we look good <laughs> that we are good that we're that that there's long life ahead of us and that you know we'll regret the we'll regret all the times that we like spent telling ourselves no let's live baby agreed agreed okay so i'm thinking because i was thinking maybe a remake of mr holland's opus with you in the lead <laughs> role because that way you're sort of like an instrument teacher but then i'm reminded because we still have to do the Rachel Maddow biopic or something in which you're Rachel. So I'm wondering, I don't know the answer to this. Does Rachel Maddow play an instrument? Is there a version of this film in which you're Rachel Maddow playing the instrument or- Okay, I got it, I got okay. it, ready? Yeah, please. Okay, okay. We are going to make a movie. It's basically sliding doors with Rachel Maddow. And we're gonna, this all hinges on if she played an instrument for even one second as a child. And if she did, we are going to sliding doors this life into Rachel Maddow is actually like a, you know, a concert pianist or a drummer in a rock band or something like that. And we're going to see how that that's, that's, that's the Rachel biopic that we're going to do you and me. So how do we get Rachel from friends into this? Because then I feel like we could fully oh close the loop on the conversation, you know, we have to, yeah. that will have to workshop, but I feel like we've made a lot of strides and I feel like between Rachel from friends and, with your casting and with Matt Allen, maybe we'll recruit one of the actors from the Barbie movie. I feel like we can really fully build this out. It'll be called Ms. Holland's Opus. <laughs> <laughs> Darcy, this has been a pleasure. Pleasure. And I have to say on a personal note, thank you for coming here today, one, but for doing it without a manager or a agent or an assistant, I, I think the conversations are different when they're just one-on-one -on -one. and I know it takes a level of trust uh, from the actor or the performer to go to their people and be like, I got this. And I thank you for giving that to me. And I, I <sighs> just so enjoyed chatting with you. Me too. I'm telling you, I've got, I've got five more hours in me with you. Great. We're staying here. <laughs> off, off mic. Um, I adore you. Thank you for just being, you've always been so wonderful and I'm such a fan of you and what you do. And, and I remember when you first sort of shone your light on me in the DMs or whatever it was, definitely through Instagram. I was I was like honored and excited and I like the friendship that we've created. Me too. I, I'm so happy to to get to know you more. 
And we didn't get to talk about it, but you really are a style icon. I had I went back and watched so many old interviews of yours and just every time you would step out, whether it was on Conan or on Fallon or on Seth Meyers, what have you, it's just every time you stepped out, I was like, she's always serving. Let's give it up to Erica Cloud, the best stylist. The oh, best stylist. Erica yeah. Cloud. Wait, Erica Cloud. Oh my God. Erica Cloud, who does you, Casey Musgraves, right? Jonathan, Jonathan Groff. Groff. I knew that you two worked together. Okay, this makes so much sense. Yeah, she's amazing and she really like gets, she gets you. All right, well, thank you so much. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and I look forward to connecting with you soon. Okay, bye, Evan. All right, bye. <laughs> Shut up, Evan. 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 Shut Up Evan is produced by me, Evan Ross Katz, with audio editing by Sophia Asmuth and social media by Griffin Dunn. Shout out to our Patreon subscribers for their financial support. And thank you to you all, the listeners, for helping us keep the lights on. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.